0: oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out DiffyFord.net, and then on instagram at Diffie Ford lincoln and now let's get into today's episode it gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest today mr larry nichols um most people know you as Have an energy, but uh, gonna excited to dive into your story and and know a little bit more about you and and a little bit more about your love for Oklahoma City and all of the things that you've done and continue to do. And I think, um, we're gonna have your wife on the podcast as well because the Hall of Fame asked me, um, would you like to interview them together? And I said, I think. They're, I think in their own rights, they probably have two. They've both done amazing things, and I wouldn't want to miss stories by putting you together. So we'll do you guys separate so you can tell your story and Polly can tell your story. So I'm excited to interview your wife in a few weeks. But before we, you know, dive into telling a little bit about kind of what you do now, let's set a little bit of context and talk about, um, you know, you were born and raised in Oklahoma City. You went to Cassidy School, which is just up the street. Uh, what was take us back there? What was Oklahoma City like in the what's that fifties,
1: sixties? Fifties. Fifties. I graduated in nineteen sixty from high school, and yeah. um, at that time, Britain Road was the edge of the city. Yeah. Uh, north of the Cassidy plain fields, there were just farmland. Um, one that summer, between my junior and senior year, I worked for a construction crew. Uh, working on building roads and dams out of Quail Creek,
0: yeah.
1: And I thought, why would anyone live way out here? It was way out in the middle of the country. Nothing was out there, and I thought these real estate people are crazy. No one's going to drive way out here. And now it's you know it's it's in the city, and you know the city's grown yeah. tens of miles beyond that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's and it's cool, right? Because like I ran the marathon last year, or well, this year. And you get up and you run by Cassidy and you realize how far away from downtown you are. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, I have to run another, you know, 12, 15 miles back to Oklahoma City. But it's still in the middle of the city at that point. It's still you know? in the middle. It's it, not way out when in the I was here, it was, it was, it was only on the edge. edge.
1: Yeah. I mean, dating myself badly, but at that time, uh, there are only a few movie theaters mm-hmm. uh, out in suburbia. Uh, almost all of the movies were downtown. So if you had a date on Saturday night and wanted to see a movie, yeah, the odds are you're going to drive downtown to do it.
0: Right. So in that time then, growing up, um, you know, coming back, you know, and, and you were born in '42, right? So Correct. families, you know, World War is still pretty, you know, recent history. Coming when you go into school. What are you thinking as, you know, I want to go into, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do, you, do you have an idea at that time when you're in Cassidy and graduate I, in high school?
1: I had no idea at okay. all. I don't think most people in high school do. Yeah. You know, you just figure out how you're going to get uh, your athletic successes, your academic successes, uh, uh, you know, yeah. under your belt at that time. So you're pretty excited and pretty into athletics at that time then? At is so small everyone had to be into athletics okay. it wasn't voluntary yeah um, so but, you know you enjoyed that that's part of school part of high school
0: so like most kids then you're in every single sport that they could put you in what yes. was what was the one that you really enjoyed and you excelled the most at well, I wouldn't say I
1: excelled at any of them <laughs> <laughs> I was too small yeah you know when you're five nine and playing basketball it's uh, <laughs> you got your challenges yeah did you play golf growing up A little, yes. Okay, so because Cassidy
0: now, I think um, Cassidy practices out of Oklahoma City now. I believe. I really
1: don't know. Think Uh, so, but in that era, uh, we had football and basketball and soccer, and that was it. Did all of them. So, so doing that, then through you know, doing that through high
0: school, do you think I'm going to go and and try and be a college athlete, or do you think academic is the way for me? Oh no, no, I had no. Okay, so it was academics then into college. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's uh so so with the college thing then what uh, do you have an idea when you're coming to your senior year of like hey I think I'm gonna go go do this because you go into being you go into law right and the, eventually you go into law but obviously you go to Princeton to do geology
1: I started out uh, in economics okay and one summer um, I got a, a job working for a a geology professor from SMU, Mm -hmm. Uh, really a renaissance type man. We worked out in West Texas doing field geology, a fascinating guy. And I really got enamored with geology. So I went back to uh, Princeton and changed from economics to geology, which was something of a shock to the chairman of the economic (laughs) department. He said, we've lost people to history and to English, but we've never lost anyone to geology. (laughs) To rocks. He was to rocks. (laughs) I wouldn't want to say he was insulted, but he probably was. How could this happen? Yeah, um, And I did that for a, uh, got a degree in that. And at the time, by the time I graduated, I realized no one was hiring geologists. Uh, if you started looking for a job, it was, um, yeah, go get your PhD and then we'll talk to you. Yeah, I thought, well, this is a lousy career. Um, and I decided to go to law school.
0: Yeah. I have a friend of mine, uh, he's also a geologist, he lives in New Zealand now, um, but we met in Wales because he's from the UK originally, and he and his wife are both in, they're both geologists, and his nickname is Dr. Rock, and a <laughs> phenomenal golfer, um, but, you know, he, he uh, he's He's a doctor of geology, and, and he would tell us we're playing golf, and he would be like, look at this rock, and look at it, you know, playing in the mountains, and we could not care less. But he nerded out so much, and I think probably took his mind off what, how bad he was playing or how good he was playing because he was looking at the rocks instead of where he should be in his golf ball. But he uh,
1: I've afflicted my family with a lot of that. As we go on <laughs> hikes in various places, I'm waving my arms, pointing at this and, and that yeah. and explaining it to them, and they're patiently listening. right. Uh, so I understand that.
0: What's thousands and thousands of years old, right? That's the fascinating stuff with how this rock forms and how it's millions. coming out of the ground. And yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, you know, it was millions. it's uh, It's history of the world, right? You know, right. All, some of us have <laughs> books to read, but you just look at the land and see the rocks and think, this has been here, like you said, for millions of years. Yeah. So you figure out the geology then is not the profession that you know, it's a bit of a lousy profession because they, they want you to get your PhD. Why do you think I want to
1: be a lawyer? Why did you go back to law school? Well, I enjoyed that kind of, yeah. of, of intellectual challenge mm-hmm. um, and ended up absolutely loving the study of law. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's public policy. It, uh, but it's also ability to think, the ability to look at anything and force yourself to look at both sides of any issue, mm-hmm. which is a skill a lot of our citizens would be better if we had that. Yeah. When you get so one-sided that you absolutely believe that my side is absolute truth and wisdom and the other side is, are all idiots, um, it's rarely that simple. Yeah, uh, And yet our society now tends in that direction. And, and at this time then, what is
0: um, what, what, what is dad's profession? Because obviously you go on later to, to co-found Devin with your dad. What is dad's profession when you're going to law school? He was had a small oil and gas
1: uh, okay. company.
0: So it's always, uh, it's always around as you're growing up, then you're always kind of... Yes.
1: it's always there. It's always been there. Yeah. In fact, back when I was in grade school, um, there was a water shortage going on, and my father drilled a water well uh, in our backyard. And I didn't understand it was a water well, and I'm out there looking at it as they drill it, and they get down to, you know, a couple hundred feet, and water comes out. And apparently, uh, my father comes home from work, and I go up to him and said, Dad, bad news." It's water. <laughs> I don't remember that myself. I, was, I assumed we were drilling an oil well, and you know it was just water coming out, and I yeah. thought he'd be disappointed.
0: <laughs> were the city pleased by him digging a water well in his oh, backyard? De- de-
1: <laughs> Delighted at the time. <laughs> no one cared. It's not like it is today. Not right? like it is today. Someone's
0: going to be showing up, no. throwing a piece of paper at you, telling you you can't do that. Yeah. Even though if it's a water shortage and you're a shortage and you're actually doing the right thing, you're you're, you're, you're helping, the helping the water, the water shortage. shortage.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. So, so you go on into law, then and you think that is going to be you know the the profession for me, and, and you start down that path, and you become you, know, you start working for for some pretty important people at that time, right?
1: Yes. After law school, uh, I got a job as law clerk to uh, Chief Justice Earl Warren and Justice Tom Clark. Mm -hmm. Records show Tom Clark, and I met him two times, but if you're a retired justice, you get that slot is assigned to the chief justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was just a fascinating experience. Um, It was the the first day in court uh, was when Thurgood Marshall, the first black uh, justice, was uh, Mm -hmm. torn into the Supreme Court and yeah. President Johnson was there, and all these dignitaries were there. It was quite fun.
0: Yeah. Do you think at that time, like this is, I this is, I I've kind of found my place. This is for me. I want to, I want to continue to climb this ladder.
1: I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. You know, just watching the debate, the intellectual debate uh, on these large public policies, and seeing what very smart people, yeah, were thinking and arguing back and forth. Yeah. It was very stimulating.
0: Are you at this time looking still? you have like a hobby in geology at this no. time? We just didn't have time for no, it. You no, just totally was, shelved
1: it. I, um, well, and then after, uh, after that, I, I learned of a job at the Department of Justice where they have been hiring uh, since President Kennedy, uh, one law clerk a, a year for a couple of years to work in the office of legal counsel mm-hmm. at the Department of Justice. And I applied for that job and got it and yeah. um, ended up working for, a lowly assistant attorney general who ran that office uh, from uh, Arizona, Bill Rehnquist. Yeah. Um, fascinating guy. And then, so
0: during this time then, yeah, I assume you would come back home during Thanksgivings and times, because you're not doing this in Oklahoma at the time, right? You're out of... No, I live in Washington. Yeah. yeah. So so you would come home maybe on Thanksgiving or Christmas and have those catch-up conversations with dad of the old business. And does he just say to you one day, hey, I think we should do this?
1: No. Okay. How one, does that Not of the topic at all. Yeah. Uh, he, he had uh, he by that time had kind of sold out of the oil and gas business okay. and had a small conglomerate. They owned interest in banks and TV stations and uh, an oil, oil well supply business in Libya. So it was sort of a mini conglomerate, as was uh, attractive at the time. Yeah. And he was doing his thing, and I was off doing mine.
0: You never thought at any of that time then that you Not guys, at that would, time. you know, you would you would kind of co-found and, and go into business no. together. Uh, how, does, how does that come about then? And what's that time? Like, how, how long do you do the law thing before?
1: Well, I've been at the Supreme Court a year. Mm-hmm. And then I worked uh, at the Office of Legal Counsel, Department of Justice, for almost three years. Okay. And was ready to move on. I mean, you don't you don't move from one yeah. of those jobs up to being a Supreme Court Justice or a, a Attorney General. Yeah. Um, so I was interviewing law firms in Washington, D.C. Uh, and fully saw my career as being... Um, working for a law firm in uh, Washington, D.C., and occasionally perhaps uh, getting involved in public service um, in D.C. And my father approached me and said he had this idea to form a a new business, um, that he had investors in, in Europe that were interested in investing in the oil and gas business in the United States, and he was thinking about getting in and wanted me to come and help him, because I had a law degree and a geology degree. uh, And as he joked later, I did not know anything about accounting, so I didn't realize that this little firm he had was virtually destitute and had no money, uh, or I'd have said no. And I did say no uh, originally. Um, I asked him how much he would pay, uh, and it was substantially less than I could make with the law firm. Right. and I recall, he denies it, but I recall he said, well, you're not worth that much. <laughs> I said, could be, Dad, but that's what they're going to pay me. Right, yeah. Um, and I, I finally decided to do it. Um, and I told him two years. Uh, I thought two years of practical business experience uh, would not hurt me. And I could, if I didn't like it, I could easily go practice all. And I'd have broadened my background. Yeah. Uh, and working with, with my father sounded like fun. We had a Ended up having, as I thought we would, a great, great working relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said two years.
0: Yeah, and that—that's th- the thing. Like when you, it can be so nerve wracking to go to business with your dad, right? Like if you don't have that working relationship, this could end in terrible. Like you could come to, come to argues. You're never going to see. You know, like it could be really bad. But yeah. also, if you have that understanding a working relationship, it could be the best experience of your life.
1: There were. I I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I realized later that there were two distinct advantages that we had in starting out. One, there was no business. He had no employees. Uh, so I, it wasn't like you had a lot of people who have been working for the band for 30 years and some young uh-huh. jerk comes in as the son and takes over and is elevated above him, uh, creating the understandable resentment. There was nobody else there. There was my father, a bookkeeper, a receptionist, and me. Uh, so there's none of that that established business. We are starting a new a new company, and second, I had another career. You know, I I had I was not dependent upon him mm-hmm. for a job, nor was he obligated to hire me to get me off the streets. Um, so there was no pressure on either of us yeah. to do this if we didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that that's a whole different thing. And seeing father, son, father, daughter, mother, you know, all those different variations work. If you have those two elements, you're off to a running start. Yeah. If you don't, you got a, a better, a bigger challenge, not insurmountable, but a bigger challenge. Yeah. So you said, I'm going to give you two
0: years and then two I'm years. going back to Washington? Two
1: years and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So I came back, got married to a girl from Oklahoma City, uh, Polly, who I had met in Washington, D.C., uh, although she's from my mother's hometown, and my mother and her mother went to school together. I did not know that when we started dating. I'm not sure I would have dated her if I knew, known all of that. Yeah. Um, and of course, I didn't tell them who I was dating. No, no, you know, twenty-some odd year old single guy in Washington reports back home who you're dating. Yeah. Uh, nor did she, for that matter. Right. <laughs> which probably helped you which too. It probably right? helped, yeah. which helped us both. Yeah. Um, and never
0: looked back. Yeah. So when you do say to dad, I'm going to give you two years and then we'll talk about it. What do you have in your back pocket as a B plan then? Do you think I'm going to, because I'm moving, I'm marrying Polly in Oklahoma City. I, are you thinking I'm going to go into private law firm
1: practice in yeah. Oklahoma City? Go go either in Oklahoma City or back in Washington. Sure. Um, go back to all the people I'm interviewing now Yeah. Uh, in Washington, D.C. Or since a lot of the initial work that we were doing with, with Devin was legal work, Half my time was spent on, on legal work, not on on really the business, the business side of it. Um, that um, uh, you know, I you know, two years, three years, yeah, go work for Al firm somewhere, yeah. And I might add, having different skill sets also helps in that kind of relationship. Um, he had an accounting and finance and banking. I had law and geology. So we had. Complementary skill sets and backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than having the same background and you arguing about
0: how to do it the right this way or what my way or your way when right. you come to the same answer. Right, right. Yeah. So those two years then obviously went pretty well, and and you guys had kind of a unique. Um, Financing situation of we're going to, you know, we don't have any company right now, but we could go into Europe to get investors because we think that the business is going to be in the US and people are going to want to invest in the US rather than all of the big companies sending people the opposite direction. And seemed to just timing and a great idea seemed to hit the nail on the head. and,
1: and He had a right? lot of investors uh, in Europe mm-hmm. that are met a lot of people through some of his other businesses that wanted to invest in the oil and gas business in the US as a hedge against inflation in some countries to get c- capital out of their country uh, because there were, were uh, currency controls uh, and they needed to get capital out of their country. Um, and But they didn't want to invest in wildcat drilling. They just wanted a safe, secure investment. They wanted to buy producing oil and gas properties. Um, and so that's what we did.
0: Yeah. So the idea then is, like I said, that you're going to get this fund, and then off you go, and you just start buying up small businesses that are producing. We bought small
1: assets here and there. Yeah. Uh, in September of 1971, we bought a interest in five wells in Texas. Uh, we were not the operator, but we owned five wells, and we were off and running. Uh, spent most of the year raising a paltry amount of money by today's standards. Yeah. Of course, today, equity funds and all the private financing did not exist mm-hmm. then. <coughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and to that point, right, you see the funds that are rolling around today and oh, the amount I, of money today, I, you just think I just it's absurd, right? It's, it's so I just, much I money. Just, where were you when I needed you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a nerve wracking time, right? You, you know, you have these businesses and you're doing research and, and you're finding the businesses that are in the country that you want to go buy. And then you've got to report back and say, "Hey, we've got these businesses. Get this money in," but that business might have like you were kind of racing against the clock. I assume at that time as
1: well. Yeah, no, right? it, it was it was a race against the clock, and we would you know buy a small group of assets and gradually get bigger and started mm-hmm. buying small companies, uh, companies that people had aged and wanted to retire and didn't have anyone to run it. Uh, yeah, um, you're looking for those opportunities and yeah, over time.
0: When do, when does it hit you that you you know you're not just kind of starting a business with your dad and you just obviously you've given him more than 2 years but this is a point where i love this like this has given me the bug like you you get that fizz to go to work every day like when does that come in
1: i i actually never really remember sitting back and saying okay i'm at the 2 years or whatever i sure, should my dad yeah. let's think about it today yeah it was always focused on well here's the next plateau here's what we can do Here's an opportunity, just focused on
0: Okay. That so game it's very short
1: term goals that got you to the end goal of just yeah. growing it as big yeah. as you can. I have. sometimes get asked, you know, what was your what was your vision when you first started? <laughs> the vision was to make enough money to make pay your payroll right. and to take a small step upward. Yeah. You know, how do I survive? Mm. How do I, you know, grow from where we are? It wasn't any grandiose vision sure. of yeah, yeah. of creating anything of, of note work, It's just how can you get to the next plateau.
0: Yeah. So when does that, like, time come then when you are, you know, we don't have to worry about paying the employees to, wow, we like, we're a business now. We, we The investors are happy. Because that's the hard part about having investors, right, is you've got to give them a return. They're giving yes. you all this money, <laughs> and they're down, you know, they're they're on the phones, or they're sending you letters. Yeah. Like, where's our return? And, and that,
1: you know, that's- We kept doing that. Yeah. And, you know, things worked out the way we'd forecast. and. Um, it just gradually grew. Mm-hmm.
0: Do people, the, the bigger businesses, start kind of getting onto your idea and start copying and bringing business Not back Not then. We the were States?
1: too small to be noticed. Okay. Um, of course, one of the turning points was in 79 and, and 78, 79, and 80, in that period, when the, during the various Arab embargoes, when the price oil just shot up um, and a ridiculous amount of money flowed into and that... 78 through 82 period uh, a, a lot of money flowed in there was euphoria yeah. that i've never come anywhere close to experiencing um uh, in oklahoma in the southwest mm-hmm. uh, where oil was the hottest thing going and a lot of people were engaging in excessive behavior mm-hmm. uh, leveraging up to the hill um one of the the Luckiest thing, there was a moment that I remember going to, the, uh, uh, to a bank across the street and ran into a, an old high school friend, uh, and this was someone who was a great guy. He'd love to go bear with him on Saturday night, but not anyone you'd invest with. I mean, he had gone through a bunch of businesses, yeah. and he was just walking out of the bank and had borrowed a couple million dollars to go buy drilling rigs. He didn't knew nothing about drilling rigs. And I thought, why would a bank lend this guy uh, real money to go buy drilling rigs, a business he knows nothing about? The euphoria was out of, of, I thought, this is crazy. Uh, And we started selling assets and paid down our debt. Um, There was a a time uh, when we had bought some properties that included some properties in western Oklahoma, uh, which was the hottest area in the country at the time. And we had paid a um, couple million dollars for these. And uh, on a per acre basis, $179 $79 an acre. And people were coming in, one group came in, and offered us 5100 and some odd dollars per acre, plus half the profits on each well. Now this is crazy. This is nuts. You know, we're doing this. Uh, we had the only contentious board meeting we've ever had in Devon's history because two of our directors from New York arrive and they have read this article in Forbes magazine that says, goes through how all of the major companies got started in one place or another. Uh, and, and this is the feel that made them big. And then it concludes with a little conversation about western Oklahoma, the Deep Anadarko, and they say there's some major companies in the making in the Deep Anadarko. And they arrived, and the first thing I have on the agenda is to sell everything we have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The total opposite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we had this debate, and I said, but if it works, no one knows it works yet. But if it works, we get half the profits for free, risk-free. How do you turn that down? Um, So we took all those offers. Um, There are seven or eight companies that we sold to. Uh, I think all of them or all but one of them went bankrupt in due course. We sat there with no debt. Um, so when the yeah. the industry cranked, uh, crushed, in uh, uh, the eighty two, three, and four, and this whole part of the world went through a deep depression, yeah. a terrible depression, um, we sat there with no debt and went on the offensive. Then, right, and started going on the offensive. Yeah, started looking for things to buy. Yeah, which is where the real growth happens.
0: Then, yes, right. It's because you're buying things for super cheap, and then they start producing, and
1: yeah. Now, it's, most people at the time didn't think that. Of course, yeah. You know that, but that's a good time to buy. Yeah. Well, then the land—you also have the land value too, sure. right? Which is,
0: I mean, land value is great. Well, that? you're just
1: buying the mineral interest; you're not buying gotcha. the surface land. Yeah. So, yeah, um,
0: it's pretty. In, it's pretty. I guess Dad's accounting rubbed off on you at that time. Right? <laughs> like, I word. learned a little bit at that time too. Because a lot, because it, it must have been so easy for to just get a, get caught up in wow, this is the greatest time ever. You know, where everyone should be in the old business. We've got all these things. Maybe we should be buying as well. And, and you're like, no, let's keep a level head. Let's clear our debts. And, and so, when Penn
1: Square happened, which yeah. was the the big signature bankruptcy, yeah, um, it didn't. You know. It didn't bother us. Yeah. Great.
0: Like when you look back and you think that is that's such a defining moment in the business, right? It was. To have that decision, have the board members there and, and have that, you know, it's probably spirited discussion of, you know, we should not be buying stuff right now. We need to
1: And to be sell. willing have the strength of your own convictions to do a very contrarian thing. Mm-hmm. You know, to sell something when everyone else coveted it. Yeah. Um,
0: is Yeah. The other thing that, that I see kind of just around, and I know you guys kind of talk about it quite a lot, is just innovation as well. And, I, and the innovation that you've got a great video, a couple of great videos on the website, the innovation of when you were down with the, and forgive me, I know very little about this business, but the San Juan Basin and the natural gas, and the innovation of the wells that you guys did there, and that breakthrough with the natural gas side. When does that come in?
1: Yeah, that comes in, in the, the, the mid-'80s. OK. Um, it, it, uh, we realize that um, there has to be a consolidation in our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, there were 400 publicly traded oil and gas companies. No industry that I've ever heard of has 400 publicly traded entities, airlines, banks. I mean, it right. they, they they doesn't exist. Um, And all of this this huge numbers had been created uh, by the euphoria and the ridiculous amount of money that had plunged into the industry. And because of the bust, because of the debt, because of changes in tax laws in the 1986 Tax Reform Act, that financing that had fueled the industry was gone. Mm -hmm. Banks were no longer lending. All of the the sources of financing were gone. And we sat there with no debt. And while other companies had lots of expertise in drilling, very few had expertise in acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And that was really what we'd done. We'd done some drilling, yeah. but mainly acquisitions. And I thought, what an opportunity. Um, and looked at all the majors at the time. They were going international. Everything conventional wisdom was, everything in the United States that's worth discovering has been discovered. And if by chance any of these small little pesky independents discover anything of no, noteworthiness. They have to come to us to measure, because only we have the financial expertise, uh, the acumen to d- develop that asset, and we'll take it over. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, that leaves a big open ground for someone to come in and consolidate all these companies uh, and grow in the United States and look for opportunities in the United States, uh, which is why we went public in 1988 and about the same time, uh, we looked at the San Juan Basin where my father had discovered uh, wells in the, uh, in the 1950s. Um, and, but they discovered them at a formation at 5,000 feet and in a formation at 3,000 feet. They'd encountered huge pressures, but only water came out. And a couple of geologists and engineers started wondering, for a, a lot of reasons that I won't get into, If you got rid of that water, is there gas hidden behind there? And we and a few other companies started experimenting around that. And we weren't the first, but we weren't the last either. Uh, uh, Realized that if you produce that water for a couple of months, uh, we later got better at it and shortened that. Then there were significant gas reserves.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And we started acquiring all that, and that was sort of a second eye-opening event for me because. I would see opportunities in, in the San Juan Basin at the same time that one of the major players there, Amoco, would see the same opportunity. But by the time the Amoco people had sent the message to Denver, which had sent it to Chicago, where they were headquartered, and it came back, I'd already called my father, we'd agreed on it, and we'd done the deal.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought, you know, majors can squash us internationally, but here in this little track of land, we can out-compete with them just because we're faster. Just speed, right? We're speed. We're not blinded by it's always been this way. We don't know how it's always been. Yeah. Uh, and you know this might work. Uh, so we weren't blinded by you know, having been in business in this basin for 40 years. We know that doesn't work. Um, yeah. I've been in business here for a year, Maybe it will work. And we'll figure it out. <laughs> and we'll go yeah. figure it out.
0: Well, and that's the great thing about being, a, you know, being smaller than the larger companies, right? Because you can move fast. But also, if you do have that failure, and I'm sure you've had many failures over your career, you do you you can easily pivot and go again and try somewhere else or try somewhere else. Like you're not running sub up the food chain, waiting for a decision, and then it doesn't work out, and then you've got to wait for that period again, and it's. You know, you're, you're getting over your failures a lot quicker than the other bigger companies
1: are as well. Yeah, and you do have failures. Yeah. You know, I, t- I try to forget those. Right. <laughs> generally have. But because of that, we were the uh, the leading, uh, the best performer our first year as a public company, the best best performer on the American Stock Exchange. Yeah. Which is where all the public com- small independents sure. were at that time.
0: What's it like going public? Is it a quite nerve-wracking thing to go public and you're, you're out there and you're on the stock exchange and people can buy shares in you? I mean, what is... What is that experience
1: like? Not not as bad as it is for some companies because we were not really a, the classic family-owned business. We okay. had lots of investors. We started out with lots of outside investors. So reporting to outside investors it was uh, normal. For you it was guys. normal. It's yeah. how we started. Yeah. It wasn't just our own little little family and family capital.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we were using third-party money a lot, um, and <clears throat> early on. Just looking at it from my my legal side kicked in, and I realized, let's have good corporate governance. And so we looked at what the rules were uh, in terms of corporate governance for the uh, New York Stock Exchange uh, and adopted those, mm-hmm. just because they made good business sense. Do you treat yourself at that time? Do you do you think, I mean, like, oh, I
0: mean, you know, just- uh, over the years of, of you you know, you, you're working hard, and you, this is probably a breakthrough, you know, you, you've done this, you, the company's gone public, do you think, I'm going to treat myself, I deserve something?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> Dad wouldn't let you? Absolutely not. There's always, I mean, at the time we went public, yeah. Uh, of those 400 companies, um, we were like 252nd, or something number like that, sure. in size. Um, and I'm using $1988. Sure. Uh, we were like a $70 million market cap company. Uh, and Wall Street and our investment bankers said, if you get to 200000000 million, you'll really have arrived. You'll really have, have a position there yeah. with the rest of them. And of course, we kept growing, and that number kept growing. Yeah, and as of today, I think we're in the billions. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> like
0: it's mad. But so, so life really
1: doesn't change that much for you, then, when you guys go public. It's just- No, we go public because- if we're public and have public shares, it's yeah. easier to con- continue the consolidation. Got gotcha. you. We go public not as the end of the goal, but as a, a means right. to w- do what we really want to do. To further the Which the is mission. continue yeah. the growth uh, and do the consolidation and and have, the, at the, by this time, thinking in terms of vision, the vision was there have to be a handful of small independents they get really good and efficient at, in the oil and gas business inside the United States. Yeah, and you can The majors aren't here. There's a gap. Uh, no reason we can't be one of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and back to
0: the early idea of bringing things back here, that's just kind of reinforcing that idea because you are growing and growing, and then people start to, like I said, return. And, and right. like, we, we are the fir- one of the first movers in this, and because we've been at it starting from nothing, you just start to buy bigger businesses i guess at that mm-hmm. point yep. and, and you just scale it from there yep which is it's a simple model to follow but obviously you know you need the money to do that right yes. you need to keep growing and and have people who believe in you especially after the 80s and the bust that's probably a tough period to go through too with people that don't want
1: to believe in oil anymore they want to go do something else and some people <laughs> want to cash out sure but other people will say i i uh, Ready to retire. Yeah. I'll use that as an example. But I don't want to sell out of the oil and gas business. I want someone to run it. And I don't have anyone who run it, but I want to participate because I think you're gonna do well. I don't want cash from you, Devin. I want stock. Yeah. I'll get we'll merge our businesses together, but I wanna be a a player. Uh-huh. And if you don't have public stock you can't so it really helped you guys then a lot. That's why forward. we went bubbly. Yeah,
0: amazing. So at this time then, you're in your mid-40s going on? Yeah. Yeah, mid-40s. And and, and most people, if you look at just people over their careers, 40s, mid-40s is generally when people hit their stride. And you're just fired up. You're in Oklahoma City. You're growing the business. And you have a family at this point too? Yes. Oh, yeah. OK.
1: Tell me about that. Tell me about your family and the kids. Oh, um, by this time, they're in, they're in high school. We're going. Oh, to so you poverty. had kids early then? Well, I got married when I was twenty nine. Yeah. My wife was twenty seven. Okay. So we got uh, our kids in the early thirties. Gotcha. They were going back to the uh, depression in the the, the United uh, in the Western part of the United States uh, in the eighties, um, early eighties. Um, at that time, when everyone was going bankrupt. And it was that conversation around the table was always, you hear someone's having trouble, someone's going to sell and move out of town where they can get a job. And it was just sort of a daily bombardment. And we had two grade school kids there listening to it all. Um, and one day, I'm uh, sitting in the living room, and my uh, son and daughter are around the, in the, one of the bedrooms, and I can hear them talking. And they have a, a picture of USA Today. And it has on the on the Sports page, the top paid player, and, and Sally's t- saying, "Tyler, Tyler, here's a a pitcher who, who makes a million dollars. I've forgotten what the number is. He makes a million dollars, and it was probably a hundred thousand then, but whatever. Uh, and here's a shortstop. What's the shortstop? You know. Um, and then there's this pause. Tyler, can Dad play baseball?" <laughs> 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 very much worried about yeah. he's in this business where everyone's going broke <laughs> we kids got to look out yeah. ourselves.
0: and kids are brutally honest right oh like they, you're, are. You're, you're, they, they are they don't know any they don't of know any
1: of better except everyone dad and mom knows are going broke and yeah. particularly those in the oil and gas business
0: especially at a high school age when they're really aware of what's going on yeah you know it's not like they're toddlers and you just They're blissfully unaware. Like, they are fully aware of the situation. They're fully
1: aware and listening when you don't think they are. Yeah. Um, So, no, they are in college, and, you know, I'm off running around.
0: yeah. They some, we probably had some great conversations coming home from work then with, you know, yeah. what have you done today? Are you, you know, do you still have a job tomorrow? <laughs> right? like, are you happy? Are you, yeah, are you happy? Can you pitch? Brilliant. I love that. Back to the school days, like, no, I'm not athletic. I can't do that. We, we, we're not going to go pitching. I might go back to law school. Yeah. Uh, go back to be a lawyer. So it seems like through the 90s, you know, it, it, it's much of the same. You, you're acquiring businesses. Devon is growing and then you come to 2001, you get a phone call from the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, and they're inducting you in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in 2001. Did you feel like you'd arrived at that point? Was I, that a shock?
1: I was shocked. Yeah. Um, I felt, and I've heard others say the same thing. Well, that's nice, but only old people get that. <laughs> I'm much too young to get that. Was, <laughs> you were know, 49 at the <laughs> time, right? I'm, I don't know. Do yeah. well, you know how old Fif- I was? Uh, it's 59. Yeah. Right, 42. Whatever, yeah. whenever it was, sure. you're always yeah. much too old. I think um, I'm terrible at math, but I'd assume 59. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've really forgotten, but that was my, yeah. you know, you have simultaneous reactions. One year, of your course flattered and honored, you're embarrassed because you don't really deserve it. Yeah. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm not old enough to get this, only old people get this, right. God, I'm maybe getting old. <laughs> maybe I should retire. <laughs> well, who, uh, who introduced you that day?
0: When you got your, uh, when you're on stage and who introduced you as, you know, was it the same back then as it wasn't as it is today? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. um, A a person who was the chairman of uh, Baker Hughes, a company that I was on the board of, Mm -hmm. I'd asked Bill Rehnquist, uh, the chief justice, then the chief justice of the Supreme Court. uh, But it was in the middle of the court session and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, do you ever
0: have times then when you when the business is growing and you're doing this and you go in public and you think you know you, you're you're in touch with all your friends who are probably still doing you might be in D.C. or they're in the law maybe they have their own law practices do you ever think that I do miss the law thing a little bit?
1: I would have enjoyed that, yeah. but I never had any regrets at all for doing what I do.
0: Yeah, and and I mean. It worked out great, obviously.
1: It worked out fine. Yeah. Yeah. So 2001, you get inducted into Oklahoma Hall of Fame. It it worked out great, um, not only from financial and success standpoint, but to have the opportunity um, to help Oklahoma City grow. Yeah. Uh, Which, if you're in Washington, D.C., you know, no way. Yeah. Uh, No chance of that. Uh, But to be able to have established a company that can be a meaningful aid to and make Oklahoma City grow, Yeah, uh, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. Where were you guys based at, at that time in we've, Oklahoma City? We've always been downtown. Okay. So one of the buildings before you built, you know, this... We started out in what is now today Bank First Tower. It was okay. Liberty Tower at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we grew, grew uh, went across the street to um, what well, then was Mid-America Tower. We later yeah. named it Devon when we filled it up. Yeah. Uh, and it was now occupied by Continental. Uh, and That's at true. that time, because of our growth, we had, we not filled up, Mid-Amer- we had all that we could get of the Tower, and we had floors scattered all over downtown. Yeah. I mean, we had people, you know, every building in downtown almost, we were in six different buildings and scattered around, highly inefficient. Uh, I think people spent half their time walking around downtown going from one building to the other. Yeah. Uh, we kept saying, we have to build a new building, uh, it's the only way, and I kept putting it off because that's going to take a lot of time and effort, and there was always another opportunity in the oil and gas business right. that was much more interesting.
0: Yeah. So, on to that point then, with the growth of Oklahoma City, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you always get asked, like, did you have a vision, and, and not for the business, but did you have a vision for the growth of Oklahoma City and how you could impact that?
1: Evolving. Mm -hmm. Um, It really, when we started building, when we started thinking about where we would build a building, um, there were a lot of people who had suburban land they wanted us to build on. Um, And I realized that if we took our several thousand employees out of downtown, it would have a significant negative impact. Those people would not be banking there. They would not be buying their clothes there. They would not be... Uh, having lunch and breakfast and dinner there, they would not be spending money downtown, and that that would have a negative impact. Um, I also, as I had traveled around being CEO of a public company, I've never found a dynamic city that does not have a dynamic downtown. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Maybe there's one somewhere, but I haven't seen it. Um, so I thought, and, and I saw some of the companies in in Houston, where their workforce was isolated out on the suburbs uh, and surrounded by a bar bar fence. Um, and that's not very welcoming. Um, so we decided early on we wanted a building in the middle of downtown.
0: Yeah. When do you start that process then? When do, when do you think, OK, we're going to do this. Let's figure out, you know, because and, and, that's it's a mighty decision to make. Right? And, it, and it's it not was. an easy process.
1: Um, we started interviewing architects okay. and quickly realized there are only a couple of hands, there are only less than 10 yeah. architectural firms that really build high rise buildings. And we know just because of the sheer math, we have enough employees that it's got to be a building of, of some size to house our employees. Um, and I started, was not eager to jump into this, but as I would travel, So I'm going to Chicago, I'd ask some architectural firm, have you built anything in Chicago? Uh, Tell me where it is and I'll take an extra day. While I'm up there on Devon Business, uh, oil and gas work me with investors, I'll stop by and look at the building. And sometimes they would join me or have a a colleague of theirs join me and we'd look at various buildings and see what worked and what didn't work. Um, And I didn't have the trained eye. You could walk in some buildings and say, this really doesn't feel good. Uh, and they'd say, well, why doesn't it feel good? I don't know. It just does feel kind of cold and sterile, um, and would learn this other, another type of building works better. Um, so it was very much of a learning yeah. experience uh, over a, a year or so as I kicked the can down the road uh, <laughs> to try,
0: <laughs> try,
1: trying to avoid it.
0: Yeah. <coughs> but you settle on uh, John Pickard. As the yes. architect, and, and that process just starts, and you think...
1: Yeah, I mean, after, you know, there were some of the larger architectural firms mm-hmm. uh, that very much had the attitude, we're building these, these buildings in Shanghai and in Dubai, and yeah. where, where's yours, Oklahoma City? Yeah, maybe we can fit you in, yeah. uh, that had what I viewed as a rather snotty attitude. Right. Uh, and I scratched them off my list. Um, you know, they go do yeah. what they want to do, but if they're not going to have interest in it, then I want someone who does. Yeah. Um, and sort of narrowed it down. And there were several that we could have chosen and been happy with, sure. but we chose Picard Shelter and never had a regret. So when
0: you when you start seeing the models, you start seeing the plans, and you, you, you see the scale of, of this tower that you're going to build, and it's got your name on it in, in Oklahoma City— what are you feeling at that time? How are these conversations going? And, and for you personally, from a, from a city that you've grown up in, to have a building that is the, basically the statement piece to this city, what are those conversations like, and how, how, how is that process?
1: I never focused on the size that much, <laughs> uh, the height. Um, we wanted a building that was not just another square building with a flat roof. I mean, there are hundreds, thousands of those. Um, You want something that was beautiful. Uh, And fortunately, uh, we were doing this at a time when there was a serious recession in building. In fact, when we uh, started our our tower, we were the only high rise in the country coming out of the ground, which said we had all all the kinds of buying power and buying glass windows and furniture because all of those companies were desperate for work. And we were the only live wire in the country. Yeah. that was out uh, getting jobs, so we had the opportunity to really build a high-class building yeah. uh, with some architectural interest without, you know, busting the budget. Mm-hmm. How are you with heights? Are you are you client? Are
0: you up there with the architects during the phases, walking through in your hard hat, or are you staying on the ground as far
1: away from it as possible? <laughs> well, neither. I have been up there. Yeah. Um, but you know, by that time, it is. Um, uh, The design work is the, the, you know, where you look at different models, um, and and have fun with uh, with different models, uh, and see what works. You don't want something that is outlandish and is not efficient. Um, And I remember, it was easy for me to tell the architects what I didn't want. Uh, And I've been in buildings where you, uh, they're big buildings and they have a long hallway, that extends in a straight line forever um and it feels not unlike a prison I mean, it's, it's like dope. a hotel it feels like a hotel yeah. there's no interest in that at all yeah um, so said, you know we got to pick do something want light in everywhere uh, want I mean there, there are corners of our building that don't have executive offices that have windows that everybody can see um, looked at corporate cafeterias corporate dining rooms generally down in the basement Um You know, no one wants that. Uh, So we said, we we want a dining facility for our our, our employees that is open to the public. Uh, We don't want to be a standoffish, you know, you can't come in here attitude. Uh, Doors on all four sides open to the public. Dining facility open to the public with lots of glass. What is the other thing, too? What is that, when you
0: walk into the building and you sit standing on that circle, What is, I forget the name of it, and you speak, and you hear all those echoes back. Oh, the rotunda? It's the greatest thing ever. That just naturally, or did you think, I want that in my building? No,
1: that came to solve a problem. Okay. Uh, we had the tower. Uh, there are a variety of facilities that are not appropriate in that tower that need more space. The computers need more space. The dining facility needs more space. Um, A big room to do gas marketing needs more, you know, needs a wider footprint on the floor. And so we were going to build another building and then a building for security and personnel. So we really have three buildings. Um, One building that that, uh, uh, our garden wing is really the size of the, uh, uh, it used to be the Kerr-McGee building, uh, but it's on his ground, so it gets no respect at all. So we needed to figure out a way. Um, to connect these buildings um, but still maintain security.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and the rotunda sort of serves that as an example. It is open to the public, and you think it's a public space, but there's walkways on the second and third and fourth floors mm-hmm. that connect all of our various buildings. So okay. people can walk through that and energize that during the uh, during the day uh, without going in and out of security all the time. Yeah.
0: The first time, you know, me being a golfer, the first time I saw it finished, the first thought I had was I would love to hit a golf ball off the top. (laughs) Like, just stand there, not going out to the park, just, you know, put it, you know, just me being a golfer and and an immature man would think that I would love to hit a golf ball off the top of that, and maybe one day I will. Who knows? Who knows? But obviously recently we had some guy climbing it. I mean, that's mad. I know he's a professional, but that's nuts. What What? what are you, like, watching this on the news thinking, Incredibly. I wouldn't climb that if I had full harnesses and a million safety gear? Like, that was crazy. Incredulous.
1: Matt, right? Totally incredulous. Yeah. But if you watch him, he was calm. Yeah, uh, really calm. You know, a, a wiry guy that is very agile. Mm-hmm. And he just scampered up that thing.
0: I couldn't believe it. No. I was, and, and, you know, it, I obviously get why he did it. He's trying to raise awareness, and that's fine. Um, but yeah I, I mean obviously a professional and and you know professional clearly he's you know he, he does this a lot, so I couldn't believe it um, and and the other thing you mentioned too, which I didn't think of until now is security obviously, this is especially after 9 eleven and all the other stuff that goes on and you know uh, as as much of an impact I think as the Air Force Base in Oklahoma has on you know the center of this country. People don't really think about security that often but you know when you put a building at that scale and a statement piece in the middle of this
1: country that's top. That's probably one of the top priorities is security as well security is yeah. and, and you know they're quiet and unobtrusive but there's security features all over that mm-hmm. of course the main reason you build a building is to house your employees yeah and and it's not to win awards or to make statements it is to it's a recruiting tool And if you're graduating from college and have a choice in working in a nice building in a nice environment, or working in a dull building, all things being equal, you know that building can make a difference. In fact, we went after we built that, we went for almost a year and a half, where everyone we made an offer to who had come to the building um, decided to. Yeah, except our
0: office. Yeah, it's a quite good sell when you show them their office view, right? Which well, at the time was nothing. Now it's incredible because you have the park and everything. At the time it was just parking lots and right. the river,
1: right? Which still serves as you know, it's a nicer view than most people. And do. to me, yeah. the, the the greatest success of that building mm-hmm. was one <clears throat> Saturday after we'd moved everyone in. Uh, perfectly beautiful day. Uh, a good day to go play golf or garden or watch football game or do whatever you do on a beautiful Saturday. Uh, We had a lot of employees. I was coming downtown to catch up on some work Saturday morning, and there are lots of employees down there who come down on a perfectly nice Saturday to show their parents, to show their spouse, little kids in tow, grandmother and granddad in tow, in a wheelchair, showing them where they got to work. Um, that says it all. Yeah. That means a lot, doesn't it, to see people coming on
0: their day off to show their parents, hey, I work at that building right there.
1: To, to take your, your day off, to get your whole family to come yeah. downtown to show you where I work, Yeah. Uh, that says the building's a success. And that's who you ultimately build it for. Right. Mainly. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: uh, as a business, it works efficiently when everyone's in the same building. And if you've got to go to another floor, you jump in the elevator and off you go. You don't have to walk two miles across town. Right. Because we've done that. In the middle of Oklahoma winter,
1: which is freezing. <laughs> <laughs> or heat. Or heat. Or wind. Yeah. Take your pick.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, it's awesome. Uh, and I'm sure you know. It, it, every time you probably see a photo of it, right, or you see the sunset <coughs> reflecting off it, or we're at a thunder game, and you look out, and it says thunder up down the side of the building. Like, so many little things that.
1: Well, if you had two towers, we debated having, you know, shopping the building having two towers. Yeah. You have inefficiencies there. Right. Because you have to go down, cross over, come back up, in and out of security. You know there are lots of uh, two buildings of the same square footage cost more than one building. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and like, back to recruiting, right? If you had two buildings, nobody would be like, oh, well, yeah. You know, are you in A or B? It doesn't matter, does it? It's <laughs> for, when you have, you know, and obviously the restaurant at the top too. You know, it's not just for employees, right? You have the restaurant right up top. Vast is right. like doing great, and um, Kurt's doing a great job. You know, yeah. great chef, and, and it was it ten. 10 years we just passed last weekend, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know he, Kurt is also a very, he loves his golf too, which I found that out recently. Um, But fantastic chef. And, and, you know, for you looking over the last, you know, 20 years and 10 years of vast, it must be great to see the growth of Oklahoma City with maps, everything that's happened with that, the parks, the thunder, and the movie studios now, I mean, You probably didn't even think it would get anywhere close to what it is now back in the day.
1: I remember when I first came back to Oklahoma City in 1971, 72, uh, my father and some of his colleagues were having lunch and I was with them. uh, And they were looking across to the Presbyterian Hospital. And in between, this is before the, the, the expressway was built, there was nothing between downtown and this one lone hospital out there uh, except a, a big slum. And I remember one of them saying to my father, John, someday this is all going to get filled in. You know, the, the two will grow together. And I looked at that and said, These guys are crazy. They're absolutely crazy. And I, I think about that now when I look at, at our building and look at the river and all the vacant lots and all the red dirt between downtown and the river uh, and hear someone say, this is all going to get filled in in time, they're right. Yeah. They're right.
0: Yeah. Start buying land on the outside of town now, and it will be <laughs> yeah. worth a lot of money
1: in 10 years. Yes. Yeah.
0: Because e- even the outside cities now, you know, Edmond Edmund and Oklahoma City, they, they just joined together. Same right. with the Oklahoma City and Yukon and all these other surrounding cities to the south as well. And it's... Um, it's amazing to see I'm sure you know you're extremely proud of the impact that you've had through the company, your employees' impact and everybody else that you know y- you wouldn't be able to do this without the whole team that you have and it's well absolutely it's huge. I mean, nothing happens without a good right a lot of smart people yeah, moving on to some i don't know personal little fun stuff we can talk about um do you have a morning routine? do you have something you do every like just every morning you have like this is my routine and were you pretty just straightforward? Pretty straightforward, you
1: know. Yeah. Get up, shower, shave, have breakfast, go to work. Is uh, <laughs> pretty is, dull, all American. <laughs> is there anything you do every day without fail?
0: No, no. Every day's different. Yeah. Uh, are you reading anything right now? Are you a big reader?
1: I'm trying to catch up on a lot of of, of, okay. of, of things. There's, uh, you know, I. I thought when I retired I'd have a lot more free time than I do, but there are a lot of civic projects, um, other projects that uh, kind of fill your time up.
0: Yeah. So after retirement, then what did you just dive into the civic side and think I'm going to really? Well,
1: yeah. I still hang around at Devin. Well, of, of, course. Course. of course,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but there are projects here you get asked to do. Uh, yeah. I was chairman of the search committee to hire the uh, replacement for Roy Williams at the uh, Oklahoma City Chamber. Mm been on a variety of search uh, groups, working as chairman of the Myriad Gardens uh, and a scissor tail assist organization to grow those uh, yeah. quietly behind the scene, which is great. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things to occupy your time. It's,
0: uh, we're not done growing, right? There's so no. much to do. And, and even the south side of the park now, across the river's opened up. And I think last year, I think the marathon route went that way for a little bit. And I think it's gonna go that way again this next year. Uh, it's, you know, and then you have the hotel and everything. Like, it, it's, it's incredible, right? I'm sure you looked out of your office at some point and just saw the Thunder Arena and a Cox Communications Center that was not great and a hockey team that didn't want to be there and a bunch of parking lots to now we've got developments coming on the river and the it, river,
1: Yeah, you know. if you put that in historical context, the Concord Hotel, um, at the time it was built mm-hmm. uh, in 1910 or so, uh, it was the highest building in the state of Oklahoma. And the Civic Fathers uh, had a big celebration at the top of that building where they look over growing Oklahoma City at 15,000 people yeah. and congratulate themselves on the little town they're building. It's amazing. That's, you know, slightly over 100 years, but not a lot.
0: Yeah. When you do all this, then, all this civic stuff, and you give back, you know, you meet all these
1: people. What gives you hope for the future during this time? Oh, there are all the young people, you know, I mean, everyone, I mean, Oklahoma City has a great culture. Um, You can look at the fairly unique, not good use of the word unique, but darn near unique, um, relationship we have between the business community and city government uh, working cooperatively together in the early days, Oklahoma City Chamber would go visit other cities uh, once a year to see what worked, and what they were doing right. No one ever came in the 70s and 80s, no one ever came to visit us. Uh, and now they do. Uh, and when they do come to visit us, uh, they're amazed that uh, the mayor you know, has an honorary position, a seat at the table in the city chamber. In a lot of cities, business and the city government war with each other. Uh, we're not big enough to do that. Uh, you know, we figured that out when Ron Norick started the MAPS programs. Yeah. Uh, we had to work together to make this thing grow or life's going to pass us by. Yeah. Is there anything that scares you or keeps you up at night? Nothing keeps me up at night. But, you know, the, the level of cooperation, the feeling that all serious businesses need to be represented in, in playing a role... In one way or another, in the chamber or in some other way, um, the ability to um, uh, unite the the community. And when Clay Bennett started the Thunder, he could quickly get all the leaders in business and government together quickly uh, to make a decision in the sport, bringing the Thunder here. That wouldn't happen in a lot of cities. What's in it for me? I don't want to do that. You know. that wouldn't happen in most cities, and hopefully that attitude never goes away. But there's no guarantee. Yeah. There's no guarantee.
0: Are you uh, to the point of the Thunder? You got a lot of games. You're a big fan of Thunder basketball. Oh, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> I was at uh, I was at the game on Tuesday, uh, and it was I mean we we won, which was great. Right. Um, but it's uh, Sam Anderson once joked at me. He wrote the book Boomtown, and he. T- I told him. He asked me if I was big in basketball, and I said, "Well, I got here in two thousand August two thousand eleven, and you know when Thunder were in the playoffs, so, and I missed that." And he goes. So what you're telling me is you like you're glad that Westbrook got hurt because you weren't a real fan when we could have won the playoffs. And I was like, No, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, you know. So you know, my short time here, I've got to see a little bit of you know you know the the great team that we had, and now it's a building phase. And you know Sam Presti's genius through this whole time is, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He does. That's all that matters. Which he is does. great. Uh, the um, the other thing that's coming up is Thanksgiving. You a big fan of Thanksgiving in the, in the kitchen, or do you leave it
1: to Polly? Uh, I I pretty well take care of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, Thanksgiving's a great holiday. All holidays are great. True. Uh, Christmas, July the fourth.
0: Do you have any favorites for Thanksgiving? Are you uh, are you a dessert guy? Are you just a just couple of plates? I mean, what is I'm, what's
1: your what's your favorite turkey dressing and gravy? Turkey dressing, or and cranberry sauce, throw that in.
0: Definitely cranberry sauce. So another funny story of coming from the UK, and you might have known this from traveling, is you know brown gravy is our gravy back home, mm-hmm. right? And I, I came here for the first time, had dinner, and, and someone said, "Why well, would you like? I'd like chicken fried steak or something," because I thought it was actually steak yeah. and all the rest, you know, all the other stuff that go with it. And she said, do you want gravy? I said, yeah, I love gravy. And he comes out with this white stuff. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I've never had white gravy before in my yeah. entire life. I just got off the plane and having dinner, you know, first week here. I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this place. <laughs> I'm still here. So Yeah, and then I got, you know, welcome to Thanksgiving by my host family. And, I mean, what a great holiday that is. Yeah. It's so much fun. And fell in love with football as well, which wasn't a sport I grew up watching. But it's... uh you know, the city is incredible and, and the impact that, that, you know, you and other leaders like Clay, like you said, you know, it's the, um, the footprint that such a small, I say small city on the, in a general sense of the, this nation, you know, the amount of like power it has in such a small place. And I don't mean power as like, you know, the sense of look at me, I can all this power. I mean, just, you know, we have a force here of people who are doing great things for the city. and. People like yourself and Clay and others, Aubrey and all of these Im- amazing people, they all love this city and it, it shows with the impact that we have and the buildings that are coming out of the ground and the parks that we have. And it's, you know, when you look back and you're playing basketball at Cassidy, you probably thought, I want to be <laughs> as far away from this place as possible. I'm going to be a lawyer in
1: D.C. somewhere. Very much so. Right? Very much so. Um, I mean, one of the, I mean, you, you can see the difference in, in ni- 1999, uh, we bought oil, the oil and gas. The, 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 at that time, was all oil and gas. Um, 1999, we had an incredible difficulty moving about 250 people from Houston up here because there weren't enough people here that we could hire. We had to move 250 people from, from Houston up here. And finally did something I've never heard anyone do we gave every one of them a, I forget it was, a two or a three-year contract that said, if any time during the next two or three years you don't like Devon or we don't like you and you leave, we will pay, no questions asked, to move you back to uh, Houston at our expense. Because they would say, hey, you know, if I don't like it, I'm stuck in Oklahoma City. I've moved my family up here. Yeah. The jobs are all in Houston. How am I going to get back? Uh, and so we said. You know, we'll we'll do it. Yeah, uh, we'll bite the bullet. Um, only three of them ever took me up on that offer, <laughs> yeah. and they they were all three who had uh, a high school student, uh, a junior in high school, and junior wasn't happy, and therefore his his or her mom wasn't happy, and they wanted to move back to Houston. By that time, we had an office in Houston. They all went to work. All three yeah. went to work for us in Houston. So it wasn't Devon. Right. Uh, it was it was family. Um, But it took back flips to get them to move. Fast forward 10 years after that, we had another event uh, that happened. This time we were getting out of the Gulf of Mexico and closing our Houston office and moving them back to Houston. Uh, And I went down and headed to town hall where that morning said, we have about 100 openings in Oklahoma City. If any of you want to come, please do. By the time I got back, uh, we had 100 people who, almost 195, who talked to their spouse, were ready to move. Radically different. And that was, in part, they got, got to know Devin, but mainly they'd been up here at Oklahoma City. MAPS had taken off and was growing. There were other companies here, and they were willing to, uh, uh, to move up here yeah. uh, and make that decision in a day, uh, in, le- in 10 years. That's a big change. It's huge. It's a huge change.
0: Yeah, and it's only going to get better. And it had
1: nothing to do with us. It was entirely the city. Right. Was a place I want to live there. Yeah. Great food,
0: great restaurants, whatever or, you, you know, want. Just beer is good. Microbreweries, sports teams, schools getting better. You know, it's whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh,
1: on on the golf rest. courses, golf courses. You yeah. know. Good wh- football. Whatever, whatever yeah. arts agencies you like. You yeah. Know, the city had grown into being a. Real city.
0: So you mentioned arts agencies. You're big into the arts as well? Mm-hmm. Big fan. Of, were you just a, a, a fan of arts growing up? Or was this something that's kind of just evolved over the years? Oh, well, evolved, right? evolved.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and even, I mean, I, I view it as a civic. There's certain things, I don't care whether you like the symphony or the ballet or the art museums or go down the list. Yeah. Um, if you're a company of any size, you really ought to support all of them whether you like them or not. Because someone in your, you you have employees that do, Mm -hmm. which is why we've always encouraged our employees to be active. Um, And Oklahoma City is an inviting place in that area. I sometimes get asked, you know, I really would like to get involved in X. Uh, How do I do it? The answer is simple, just show up. You know, I'll call the person who runs it, but you don't need that. Just show up and say, I'm interested. Yeah, uh, And have the time and the interest and would like to help. To the point of being active, what was that? Tell me about the
0: time that Mike Knopp came to you and said, hey, I'm building a river sports thing. I'd love to dev and to have a boathouse on the river. What was that? You think, <laughs> what, in that mud pit down there? Tell me about that. Because Mike was Mike's from the law background. Yes. you know He was DA, I think, right? Yeah. And, and he's like, I have this crazy idea. I used to coach rowing. <laughs> You're going to have a rowing team. Well, there's a certain...
1: Yes. <laughs> who else has said yes to you? You, yeah. you, you seem like a reasonable guy. Yeah. You seem okay. But, you know, uh, th- 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 tell me more about it. So th- that was a matter of, you know, uh, looking at who was involved and already was there. and
0: um, yeah,
1: yeah, let's do it. And
0: it, it's incredible what that area has done, too. I mean, you've got oh. national, you know, willed events down there for rowing.
1: My, my father at that time... Um, when we decided to, to pay for uh, the boats that go, or one of the boats that goes up and down the river. Um, and I'd gone up to Albany to look at the company that makes them with some city people uh, to study that and see if that boat's going to work here. Um, and uh, there's an article in the newspaper. My father is, is old, can't get around very much, but he does avidly read the newspaper every day. And I go visit him, and he has... The newspaper out in front of him and is looking at the picture of the boat and the river and he's pointing at it. Um, Tell me about this. And I start telling him and I explain it and he has this increasingly perplexed look on his face. Um, and I talk more and more and more about it. I said, Dad, what's the matter? Larry, what river? <laughs> <laughs> And so I get his his caregiver and we get him into the car. He's not very agile, yeah. and we I drive him downtown to show him the river because he's there. He knows there's no river in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and he's lived here all his life. <laughs> there's no river, and he has this look of. They sold. I'm too old to help. They sold my son. You know the the the, the London Bridge. You know he <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, he's been duped. Yeah, he's, he's really been duped, and I'm I'm too old to help yeah. uh, him avoid this and. Uh, life is really terrible what yeah i
0: mean what, what was also what was his response to the to the tower as well What was his reaction he did he, he, he was he died before that oh really i'm sorry to hear that that was uh to the tower then on that point you'll be back to that you went. you said you had you had you know you went through a bunch of different designs do you have any models of the other designs that c- could have been somewhere uh, I don't. I'd, we don't. The architects might. That would have been something cool. Just, I'm thinking of just stuff in the background of your office. You were like, yeah, that's, this is a 3D model of what the, what the downtown could have been. Just a little <laughs> side thing. Just something cool to have. Um, well, the other, the other few questions I want to ask you is during this whole story, during your time, is there one experience that like really defined you, really shaped you into who you
1: are? No, no, just a collective. I mean, I think, I think, all of our growth is a series of small, little uh, experiences where we learn something. I've never had a, oh, this is how life should be. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you learn learn as you grow.
0: Yeah. Do you back when I asked you earlier? Do you reward yourself? Do you struggle to reward yourself from your successes because there's always something next? There's, there's always, always another something goal. else to do. There always is. There always know? is. But I think that's something that entrepreneurs struggle in general to do, especially successful ones. Is there's they it's it's sometimes a negative thing, you know, and it goes against them because they always look into the next thing. They don't take time to be to sit back and enjoy that moment for a second, and then go to the next one. Do you do you struggle well, with that
1: as well? No, no. I mean, maybe you do for a second, but yeah. they're, they're growing and making things happen is fun.
0: Yeah, because I was gonna the next question I was gonna ask you. When was the last time you did reward yourself with a trip away with your wife, or a
1: fancy car, or a watch, or I mean, playing golf somewhere? Is I've never rewarded myself in that sense. I love to travel. Yeah, uh, and so I travel whenever I can.
0: Where'd you Where'd you go recently?
1: Because of the, we had three international trips okay. three months in a row. No one would plan to do that. right? Um, but because of COVID, I'd committed and paid money for different things, okay. and they all got postponed and delayed, and they ended up the last three months. So you uh, went back to back the last three months? Yeah, went to Mongolia, <laughs> Wow. Uh, which I've never found anyone yet who's been there, but yeah. that was a, a great experience. Uh, a country surrounded by Russia and China, a struggling mm-hmm. democracy. Um, <clears throat> uh, which was very educational. Yeah. Um, educational, more from a historical and political standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning about Genghis Khan and how you run a democracy surrounded by Russia and China is, yeah. is interesting. Uh, went on a safari in West Africa, uh, in East Africa, uh, which I've done before and greatly enjoy. Yeah. Um, uh, went on a, with some friends. Went on a cruise down the Danube River. Earlier in the year, went to a, a wedding in St. Lucia. That was not on the list, but a family member had a wedding, and okay.
0: Yeah, what a grace good. to have a wedding, <laughs> a, <laughs> a place I have a wedding. I, I can fit that in. Yeah. What's the uh,
1: what's the rocks like in Mang- Mongolia? Yeah. Mongolia is a huge country. Yeah. Uh, it is the size of, of Alaska. Um, so Mongolia's got We were <clears throat> in the city of Ulaanbaatar, uh, and then out in the Gobi Desert, which mm. from a geologic mm-hmm. standpoint is is an amazing, yeah. incredibly flat. I mean, it makes Western Oklahoma with a panhandle have terrain, because <laughs> we do have rain out there. <laughs> we have gullies, but uh, yeah. incredibly flat. Yeah. So that was very interesting. What's, uh, what are the places on the list that you haven't been to yet that you really want to go to? We've got a family vacation over Christmas to Galapagos. Oh, wow. I um, planned that a long time ago, because to get four different grandkids with different school schedules and different in-laws, and oh, get everyone yeah. to agree to uh, go for a two-week trip. Yeah. Uh, took some some
0: work. That's going to be a great experience. I'm looking forward to it. Right. And that the beauty of it now is, like you said, you have the kids and the grandkids to experience everything with. Oh, yeah. And they, do any of them share your love for geology? They're too young yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. And your kids didn't growing up? Or law or business. Or law or business, law. yeah. 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 Is it difficult having... When you are growing a business and it's becoming successful, and it's sort of the statement business in Oklahoma City, or one of those big businesses, is it difficult trying to sh- like not shelter your kids at that time,
1: giving them a quote normal upbringing? If yeah, that makes no, sense. I don't think it's difficult. You yeah. you just ignore that. Yeah, because
0: um, a lot of people and you see, you know, especially today, and you know, I think the money situation is a lot. There's a lot more money available, and you know, you you meet successful families and, and their kids turn out to be just a giant waste of space because they've been given everything It's that's the tough part it makes you a job a lot harder you know it's, it's not easy
1: being a parent regardless of what your you know, income level is there are parents who are very ostentatious uh, and ostentatious with their kids yeah um, I mean I grew up mowing our grass every Saturday morning um, my kids grew up yeah. Living a real
0: life. Was Dad strict with the lines that you mowed? <laughs> <laughs> was
1: he was he a detail-oriented guy with the lines, or well, did he just go cut the grass? I wasn't very good at that. The first time <laughs> I, I did that, I, I ruined two hoses. <laughs> and I, I was going real fast. Um, and I uh, got a little careless, and I spent the rest of the summer digging myself out of a financial hole. <laughs> Because I had to pay for those two new hoses. <laughs> Probably learned a lot of the big, oh, yeah. lot, oh, big yeah. life lesson there. Right? Uh, more careful. More careful, yeah. Um, and that is, I mean, you ask early about big decisions. Life is a series of learning experiences, mm-hmm. and that's one of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the, the statement that's on the website that I wrote down, which I absolutely loved, is um, innovations are heritage, achievements are future. Mm-hmm. And... I love that because, you know, you're constantly thinking of new ideas, but also the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, you're going to fail, just keep going, right? And you said it earlier, just keep, just show up. All you can do is show up, yeah. right? And keep going. And that's one thing in your story that you guys did, you know, every day and you didn't have time to think about other stuff. It was what's next. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And you know you look at the business today and and the the impact the business has had not just on the families who are now moving here to work here but also you know the the people you have all over the country that work for you and you know started from an idea right that that's okay like, hey, we got some outside investors i think you know can you come and work for me please <laughs> give me 2 years to to
1: where we are today it's it's yeah. incredible and and i know it's you know, been fun yeah but it is i mean it's we all make mistakes. If you make a mistake, fix it and go on. Yeah.
0: So what would be, you know, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, all the people, you know, young young people coming out of college that are coming up to you asking you things. And, you know, it's it's tough to give people advice in a 30-second you know, interaction.
1: Find out what you like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I We've had interns uh, come in in college. And I've always been equally happy. I mean, occasionally you find an intern that says, I want to be a petroleum engineer. Yeah. And they spend a summer with us or someone else and decide, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go be a forester. I'm very happy with that. Uh-huh. Um, because you've helped a, a kid not spend a whole lot of time in college pursuing something that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't like doing what you're doing, uh, then fix it. I remember once reading a USA article, and there was, it was on retirement. This is decades ago. Someone was saying, uh, was quoted as saying, you know, it's six years, three months, and five days before I retire. And I thought, good grief. What a miserable life. <laughs> to be thinking about your date of retirement and it's conscious on your mind all the time, you're not enjoying what you're doing. Please quit and go find something else. Surely there's something you enjoy. Whatever it is, you know, there's all kinds of things a person can do. Mm -hmm. But find something you enjoy.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, to
0: that point then, what are you enjoying right now that's keeping you stimulated, mind-moving, excited
1: for tomorrow? I've I've enjoyed helping my wife get through her knee surgery, which is some (laughs) some skill sets that I didn't previously have. Um, But on a city level, I mean, helping... Find replacements uh, for uh, some of the people that are retiring out uh, in the business. Doing that, uh, looking for opportunities to to grow and urban renewal. A lot on of urban renewal and some of the, the projects that are going on. The Innovation district ha- have our imprint on them. Uh, Working the cowboy museum, nature conservancy. You know they're. Lots of things.
0: we got some amazing things going on here, and it's so many different things, right? Like, like just, the things you just mentioned, none of them are the same. There's so much going on in this city that just you can't help but get fired up about it. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's exciting, and, and people need to, I mean, obviously the, the replacement for the, the who's running the chamber, I forget her name, the new lady. Uh, Kirstie Gillen. That's right, yes. Um, She's got a great resume, and, and to bring someone like that to Oklahoma City says a lot about, Oklahoma City itself. Well, in fact,
1: and in that job, this is really gratifying. Yeah. Um, we talked to a variety of candidates and several of the candidates told our headhunter, um, I'm not interested in leaving the city where I'm now head of the chamber. Um, don't call me for any other jobs, but if Oklahoma City is available, I'll talk about that. Um, that that happened in several of them uh, who were emphatic with the headhunter. Don't put me on your list. I'm really happy um, I don't want any other job. But if you said Oklahoma City, I'll think about that one. Yeah. And that's a testament to how the city has performed relative to uh, uh, to other cities. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a fun place to live and work. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a great place. <laughs> and regardless
0: if you like running, cycling, having food, drinking beer, going to football, basketball games, uh, the arts, I mean... Yeah, it's yeah, they're all good. It's, it's hard to find a better place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and we don't have traffic issues here as well. <laughs> it takes 20 minutes to get everywhere. It's amazing. I joke with that with my parents. My mom and dad would jump in the car when they came here. I'm like, where are we going? I said, oh, it'll be 20 minutes. And after like three or four times, they, they just say, oh, 20 minutes? Yeah, it's 20 minutes because yeah. it's just so easy to do. Uh, all right, final question. Who, um, who's
1: your hero? Um, my hero. I'm not sure I have any heroes, but I sure have some people I admire. Okay. Uh, my father is one uh, who taught me a huge amount. My mother uh, taught me a huge amount, different different skill sets, different attitudes, both of them, but uh, uh, they're both m- my heroes. Of course, I love my wife and my family. Uh, in the business, it's probably Bill Rehnquist, uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist, um, because working for him. in in a kind of a legal practice, managing a lot of of, of different clients and uh, powerful people in the White House and secretaries and handling that with grace and humility. Uh, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. it's awesome.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for coming out and spending some time with us to share your story. Uh, It's incredible. You've done so many great things for the city, Um, but not just for the city, you know. You've done great things for you and your family, and, and you know they're they're your number one, right? That's who you. That's the pride of, of you, and who you should be taking care of. And I'm sure they're extremely grateful. I'm sure uh, Polly's happy to have your help with the, with the most of the time with a busted knee at the moment <laughs> and the knee replacement. Uh, and I look forward to chatting with her. But Mr. Nichols, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, and for people listening, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you. Take care. oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out diffieford.net and then on instagram at Diffie Ford lincoln thank you for listening